0: You probably know this, but human beings do not have fur, or fangs, or scales, or really anything that animals out in the environment have in order to thrive. What we do have is an advanced brain. And I'm talking about a roughly three pound problem-solving powerhouse between your ears. It's that advanced brain that has allowed us to go to the moon, cure polio, even planned tailgate parties. And importantly, and this is probably why you're actually here, it enables us to start and scale businesses. But here's the tricky part. It's understanding how your brain thinks that enables you to optimize what you're able to do with it. That's why I'm excited about today's episode. I'm Joel Miller, Chief Product Officer here at Full Focus, and today we're having a conversation with Michael and Megan all about their new book, Mind Your Mindset, The Science That Shows Success Starts With Your Thinking. They're going to cover five key insights from the book that'll help business owners like you learn how to optimize your thinking so you can get clear on what you want and clear the path to get it. And then I thought, let's apply this in a coaching setting. So I actually asked one of our Business Accelerator coaches, Kevin Jennings, to come on the show and talk through how he applies some of these insights in his coaching practice with our clients. When we come back from the break, we'll jump right into our conversation with Michael and Megan.
1: All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now?
2: No, I have no idea. (laughs)
1: Well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year. Finally. Yes. We can act. Okay. Like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music. Now that Thanksgiving's over.
2: Jingle bells. Jingle. Yes.
1: Uh, it's our holiday sale here at full focus. Oh, and we have some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got, uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site wide, We're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, We are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner.
2: Yes, it's going to be fantastic. Crazy
1: exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more.
0: Michael, Megan, I'm so excited to be here with you. I wanted to hear about how the launch of Mind Your Mindset is going. The book's been out a week now. You've been doing podcast interviews, talking to live audiences. Tell me what the reaction has been like.
3: I think people have been super excited about it. You know, I probably say that with every book, but I think this one, people have really become intrigued with the message because they know if they could harness their thinking or redirect their thinking in a different way, that it would make all the difference in the results. And especially when we begin to outline it, and talk about the neuroscience that's behind it, that's really a different take than most books on mindset take. So I think people recognize how it's different, and they're excited to apply it to their lives.
4: From my perspective, what's been really fun about having all these conversations on podcasts that we've had is to hear the sense of hopefulness that Mm -hmm. the people listening to those podcasts come away with. You know, to realize that the things that you think are malleable. And that if you start to play with them and you start to realize that these stories that naturally just pop into our heads don't have to be fixed, that we can actually step into the driver's seat and direct the stories of our lives so that we're able to ultimately take better actions that lead to better results. That's a really exciting and empowering idea. And it's fun to see people get a sense of that in some cases for the first time.
0: Full Focus is a goal achievement company. That's what we call ourselves. And I think of this book, you know, we we actually have other books like uh, Your Best Year Ever. That is a goal achievement book. But Mind Your Mindset is also a goal achievement book because when you set out to do something, you will invariably reach a place where you can't make any further progress, where you are invariably stuck and what this book shows is actually how to get unstuck and how to go, how to then make the progress you need in order to accomplish your goal.
4: Somebody said to me the other day, well, this seems like kind of a new direction for you. And I said, well, actually it's not. You know, part of what we do is help show people through our tools and our coaching how to close the gap between where they are and what they want in their lives, you know, the goals that they have. And what we've really done in Mind Your Mindset is we've really just gone upstream. You know, we've said, okay, we think a lot about, and we talk about this in the book, of course, we think a lot about what actions we need to take, what strategies are going to get us to our goals, but most of us don't spend enough time thinking about the thinking that drives the actions that we take that ultimately determines whether or not We find a path to our goals and what we want most in our lives. So in a way, this is kind of like a prequel to all the other work that we've done after all these years. And I'm so excited to have it out in the world.
3: I love the language of a prequel, because that's really what it is. You know, it's probably the first and most important thing that you could read from Full Focus, because thinking is behind everything. Whether you're trying to be more productive, you're trying to build a successful business, you're trying to acquire more personal freedom, it's the thinking that uh, that is the beginning point for that. You've got to think differently if you're going to get different results. One of
0: the things that makes this book different, as you mentioned, is the, the science behind that kind of thinking. The subtitle, in fact, is The Science That Shows Success Starts With Your Thinking. And I thought that it would be great if we could actually dig into some of that science because it is fascinating. It is something that I haven't seen in a lot of other places. And I thought, let's just jump into that because the neuroscience actually can show us how to get to better thinking. And so I thought, let's cover five insights from the book, from Mind Your Mindset on the neuroscience of thinking. And I I thought I'd just tick off five insights that I found as I was going through the book and just get your reaction to it. What do you think?
3: Yeah, sounds great.
0: Okay, so the first insight is that your brain thinks by connecting neurons. Tell us more about that.
3: I think of this kind of like the container store, that you go into a container store and you get a storage bucket for a specific thing that you want to store in your garage or in your basement or your attic. Well, that's kind of how your brain works. There are different cells that store different kinds of things. There are concept cells that store or tag people, uh, places, things, ideas, and then it just files them away. But then how it arranges those concept cel- cells is really where the magic happens, because those become the neural pathways that uh, shape the stories that shape our lives. But again, those those linking neurons are another thing, but they're the raw ingredients of the stories that your narrator tells you, and we talk about this concept in the book of a narrator, and essentially what we're doing is personifying the neural process, is that there's a person that lives inside your head whose voice sounds remarkably similar to yours, who's running color commentary all the time based on whatever happens in your life. The role of the narrator is to tell you what everything means and where it's going. And actually, it's a gift because it it keeps us safe, It helps us to survive, helps us to thrive, but sometimes those concept cells are not arranged in the right way, and that's where we have to interject or intervene and take action.
0: You quote a science writer in the book, Leonard Mladenov, who actually, he he talks about this like hardware, that those arrangements of neurons, they are the hardware of your thinking, of your ideas.
4: I think this is a really interesting idea, ironically. Um, because most of us haven't thought about the fact that the things that we think are actually happening in our brain, it's almost like our mind and our brain are two separate things. And in reality, what's happening cognitively for us is also happening in our brain itself. And it's neat to have that explained so that we can understand that this is not just something that's happening at a cognitive level. The thoughts that we think actually are changing the hardware, the physical part of our brain as well.
0: Okay, that takes us to insight number two, because what you're describing, uh, Michael, Megan, that sounds like it's just automatically happening. And one of the insights that I found fascinating in the book is that the brain seems to always have an answer. It might not be right, but it's always got an answer.
4: I think about um, the brain kind of like one of our teenagers, you know, and they always know the answer to everything. And about like 50% of the time, they're completely wrong. (laughs) And our brains are a little more sophisticated than that, but not necessarily a whole lot because they think by analogy and comparison, and they're always trying to answer what's next. What's next? Remember, your brain primarily is concerned with your safety, with your survival, with protecting you. And Joel, you and I were uh, riding to work today, and we were talking about how our brains haven't necessarily evolved quite as fast as our environment, and so they're still really concerned with those basic things. And and that's not bad. That's good because most of us live a relatively long period of time, thanks to this work our brain is doing. Um, however, when our brain encounters something that's new. It's going to try to understand what's happening based on what it already knows. It's always kind of referencing the past as a way of predicting the future. So that's how our narrator, that kind of voice in our head that's always running the interpretations, um, is able to take the best guess. And unfortunately, sometimes it might be completely wrong, but our brain would rather be wrong than without an answer, which I think is just
1: fascinating.
3: Yeah, you know, you can live for days, weeks without food. You could live for a few days without water, but you can't live for five minutes without stories. And mm. your brain may be wrong in terms of serving up its best guess, but that's preferable to no meaning at all. We have to have some meaning, but that also opens us up to the possibility that sometimes our brains get it wrong. And sometimes we need to interrogate those stories and ask ourselves the question, you know, is this. Really, the way it happened—is this really what it means? Is this really what's next? All that's legitimate, which ought to bring uh, us into a state of humility, realizing that maybe we've taken two plus two and gotten five, and we have the wrong answer, and we need to go back and look at the equation.
4: It's like our brain is is just really obsessed with certainty. It's yes. just that some things are too complex or um, you know too multidimensional. To be understood in a snap judgment. And so sometimes the first thing that our brain serves up is just wildly off base. And so part of what we're trying to do in Mind Your Mindset is give you some really practical tools to begin identifying these stories that you tell, not because you're doing anything wrong when they pop up and, and the stories in and of themselves, you know, maybe aren't that helpful. Your brain's just doing what it knows how to do. But so all of a sudden you can begin to discover your agency of interrogating those stories you identify, and ultimately, as we talk about in the book, imagining something that's more empowering that's gonna lead you to the results you want in your life.
0: That takes us to insight number three, okay? So in the book, you talk about the fact that the number of potential thoughts you can think are practically infinite. And this goes back actually to the first point that you have these concept cells, these neurons that are busy tagging people, places, things, ideas, assembling, reassembling, kind of what we talked about there in Insight Number Two. And the the array of combinations of those neurons are practically infinite, which means the number of thoughts you can think are practically infinite. Tell us more about that.
3: Well, as it turns out, the brain hosts a network of about 100 billion neurons, give or take. And as a point of reference, that's roughly the number of stars in the Milky Way. Then each neuron connects with some one thousand other neurons in various parts of the brain. Which, if you do the math, that makes for one hundred trillion neural connections. So our stories, all the thoughts that we come up with that compose those, come from these connections. Which means that the potential thoughts you could think, Joel, as you said, are practically infinite. And this means the number of stories that we might create or entertain, and thus the strategies we could employ are practically infinite. The story we're telling ourselves is not, quote, the truth. It's not the only way that we can understand reality. There may be another story or a hundred other stories or thousands of other stories that could be based on the same fact set and be as legitimate. The question is, what's the most empowering? What's going to serve us in terms of what we're out to accomplish in the world.
4: I love this insight because to me, this is where it becomes really hopeful. You know, when I think about my own work as a coach and I think about where I see people get stuck, it's usually that they feel like the strategies that are available to them are really limited. You know, they've tried everything and it didn't work or they can only imagine it could work this way. And what the science tells us is that the ways that it can work are practically limitless. And that ought to be encouraging to all of us because if you found yourself up against a situation that you can't quite figure out how to get a breakthrough on or why what you're trying isn't working or no matter how many things you try, you haven't quite gotten there, you're probably not nearly at the end of what's possible in terms of what you could think that would ultimately predispose your brain to look for different strategies, but I think that's the key. Most of us don't realize that the strategies that we see as being um, a good fit for the situation that we're trying to address come directly from the story we're telling ourselves. So if you want to have access to different strategies that might get you that breakthrough that you want in some area of your life or your business that you feel stuck in, then you've got to start telling different stories. So your brain makes different connections around the strategies that it could employ to get where you want to go. But that's really exciting to me.
3: You know, Joel, sometimes uh, people talk at our space about breakthrough thinking. And that's kind of the, the holy grail or the holy quest is we need a breakthrough idea here. Well, a breakthrough idea, physiologically speaking, is an idea that's outside of the neural pathway or the uh, habituated ways of thinking that we think. And so if we can find a new neural pathway, a new set of connections, a new set of neural associations, then we could really uh, expect that we could get a breakthrough that would be meaningful.
0: You give a word picture of this in the book, which I thought was fascinating. It's a quote from Steven Johnson, where he talks about the number of web pages that are out there on the internet. There's like 40 billion something web pages, basically. And if you go back to then how many neurons you have, how many potential neural connections you have, you're talking about, this is the quote, he says, if you assume on average of 10 links per page, that means you and I are walking around with a high density network in our skulls that is orders of magnitude larger than the entirety of the World Wide Web. And I just think about the fact that like, if if every one of those potential thoughts is a page in your head and you can go Google something better than what you got right now, your brain has way more resources than the entire internet to come up with that.
3: Yeah, that's really, I mean, I can't even get my head around that. It's so cool. But it's true. And that means that You know, we may think we've exhausted our resources or we've thought every thought there is to think, we haven't even started. There is so much more capacity inside the hardware that we've been given that uh, we really need to take a step back and say, hey, let's make another run at this.
0: One of the reasons why we sometimes get stuck on a certain path is that our potential thoughts are limited by our assumptions and our goals. Tell us more about that.
4: This is where the rubber kind of meets the road because this is where we get in our own way and we don't even know about it. You know, I I think that if we go back a couple of assumptions, this idea that our brain is biased to certainty, it wants to answer the question, even if it's wrong, that's a better outcome than not knowing. That's part of what's happening here. You know, when, when our brain comes up with assumptions and we've defined what we want out of the world, that is going to predispose it to look for solutions that confirm those assumptions. And and the goals themselves. And so when we're pursuing big goals, which is something at full focus that we're really passionate about, I mean, we are a goal achievement company, this is where research is, this is where our passion is. And we want to help people close that gap between where they are, and what they want in their life. Um, the assumptions are the biggest obstacle. Not their, not the visibility of the goal, not how the goal is framed, not the you know real limitations of their resources, but it's the assumptions that they have about how the world works, how they work, and what they're capable of, and how other people are, and and what they you know how they work and and uh, how they are in the world. Those are the real limitations that shape how we have access to certain solutions or not. And the, and the problem is, is that these assumptions feel really true to us. I mean, our, our brain wants them to feel true because that's where it gets that certainty. And so really they're just stories, but we're, we're telling ourselves the stories over and over again in such a way that they feel absolutely like facts. And once we start to develop the self-awareness that we talk about in Mind Your Mindset, you can begin to start um, kind of shaking loose your assumptions from the facts themselves, which is going to give you access to all those almost limitless thoughts and solutions that we were just talking about in Insight Number Three.
3: You know, another helpful concept I think we talk about in the book is cognitive bias and even confirmation bias. But it's like once we've come to a conclusion, now all of a sudden it's going to limit the evidence, or the facts that we even notice. So, for example, if I've decided that I'm going to buy a new Tesla and I'm trying to convince my wife that that's a good idea, I may do a Google search, but I promise you I'm going to disregard any negative reviews about Tesla. I'm only looking for the facts that support the conclusion or my goal in this case, and that becomes relevant and everything else is irrelevant. It's also why uh, and a lot of people have used this example, but if you decide to buy a Tesla and maybe you weren't familiar with that car brand before, n- now everybody is, but in the, in the days when they first came out, you weren't familiar with that brand. But once you you saw one or you took a test drive in one, now you see them everywhere, right? Because now all of a sudden you're noticed based on the goal that you have, which is to buy one.
4: Dad, that reminds me of the quote from neuroscientist Bo Lotto that we use in the book, Who says if you attack a problem with the wrong assumption, there was nowhere to go but deeper into that assumption, whether you know you're getting further from the truth or not. It's like we're a victim of our own assumptions at some point.
3: One of the challenges that all of us face is we can't always see our assumptions. And this is the huge value of a coach. And this is one of the things our business accelerator coaching program does is that our coaches have been educated and trained on seeing other people's assumptions and understanding the underlying beliefs that are shaping their reality. We can't always see this for ourselves. It takes somebody else calling us out or helping us see what is otherwise invisible. So that's a huge value of coaching.
0: Okay. So that is going to take us to insight number five. And this actually ties back to number one. It can improve insight number two, and it expands what's possible from insight number three and four. So this, this one final insight kind of wraps everything up. But you talk about a rested brain being one that will make new and surprising connections. It'll make better thoughts available to us. Why is that?
4: Well, we talked about earlier this idea of our brain's practice of best guessing. You know, that was in insight number two. And again, it really likes these simple go-to answers, which is why our narrator often gets stuck on one interpretation as the only possible one. You know, we're just kind of stuck on a loop there. But when we disengage, When we sleep, when we get rest, when we're not working on that problem, maybe you're out fishing or running or taking a nap or you're on vacation, that top down executive functioning part of our brain takes a rest. And when that happens, the bottom-up thinking takes over. This is called our default mode network, DMN. And the default mode network is really, really good at making these less obvious connections, and it's often working when we're not. This is why you hear people all the time. This has absolutely been true for me and so many of the clients that we coach. You have your best ideas in the shower, right? Or when you're out on a walk or when you're, you know, just doing something that has nothing to do with that problem that you're trying to solve, that's when your brain is kind of working behind the scenes and is really coming up with things that otherwise you couldn't think of if you were just employing your executive function.
3: Yeah. And one of the things that I think happens there is when we're kind of in business mode and we're actively working, a lot of times... You know, our our peripheral vision, in a way, is surveying the landscape, looking for threats. And if we detect, if we detect that we're not safe, if our brain detects that, that it's going to again reflexively do the th- the tried and the true. What are the things that we've done in the past to defend ourselves? What are the things that we've done in the past that have worked for us? And one of the things that happens when we're rested, whether it's in the shower, or golfing, or fishing, or otherwise not defending ourselves, is we have the opportunity to kind of Jump out of that rut and to think new thoughts. And so, when we're at rest, that makes it possible. That's why, Megan, you were pointing out we have our best thinking when we're the we're most rested, or the most relaxed.
0: This seems like a indirect argument for work life balance. You know, if you are spending fifty hours a week, sixty hours a week, or more plugging away at a major project or a goal, and that's your your total focus you're actually going to be setting yourself up for a problem. Whereas if you disengage around, say, 40 hours or whatever your your magic number is, you go home, you pursue the hobby that you have, you just disengage, you go exercise or walk or whatever, you are going to be able to access thinking that when your butt's in the chair and you're driving hard against that deadline or whatever, you are going to miss. And you may actually for less time get better results.
3: Well, for me, how that looks is that if I'm trying to grind away and solve a problem late at night after I've already spent a lot of mental resources during the day, it's usually really unproductive or it takes, you know, three or four times as long as it would otherwise. If I have a good night's rest and can just relax, sometimes if I can serve it up to my subconscious before I go to sleep and let my subconscious work on it while I am asleep, I'll wake up with the answer. Or for sure, I'm going to do better work in the morning. I'm going to be more creative in the morning because I've got more resources to apply to the situation.
4: Yeah, I think this is so true. And another thing from a practical application standpoint that I think you can do is to begin being flexible on how you think about problem solving. You know, so if, for example, you have a really difficult HR situation, or you have a really tricky product thing that you're trying to sort out, rather than sitting at your desk in front of your computer, or rather than be in a meeting where you're sitting across from someone, put your walking shoes on and go out and walk around the block or in your neighborhood. You know, Listen to a podcast or some great music, or uh, go look at some art at the museum. My guess is, and this has been my experience, is that you will come up with things that you couldn't have come up with in that traditional office setting, you know that you wouldn't have the same kind of breakthroughs or the same kind of creativity or innovation if you weren't engaging your body and your mind in a different way. And I think sometimes we forget that, particularly when we're business owners, And CEOs, we can make those choices. We don't take advantage of them very often, but we certainly have the autonomy that we can do that. And it can be a great access point to better thinking into this default mode network version of our thinking if we'll just get out of our ordinary context that keeps us mostly connected just with that executive functioning.
3: You know, most of us don't think of relaxation or goofing off as a business-related activity. We have an action bias You know, we want to take action. And I was talking to an entrepreneur over the weekend who said, man, I just feel so so guilty when I take time off. Like, my team is looking at that. He said, we're pretty transparent with our calendars, and everybody sees everybody else's calendar. And if I have something on the calendar, like fishing or golf, then my team thinks I'm goofing off. This was a story that he had about what his team's thinking. And I said, but is it valuable to the business? And he said, it's literally the most valuable thing I do, because when I'm in that space of restfulness is when I dream up or cook up the best product ideas, the best marketing ideas. And he said, it's hugely valuable. And I said, well, tell yourself a different story. Don't feel guilty about that. And maybe you have to explain to your team how all this works. But that's just good neuroscience.
0: One of the things I love about Mind Your Mindset is that it is grounded in good neuroscience. And these insights come directly out of that. I thought I'd just recap them here. Insight number one, your brain thinks by connecting neurons. Insight number two from the book, your brain always has an answer, but it might be wrong. Insight number three, the number of potential thoughts you can think are practically infinite. Insight number four from Mind Your Mindset, your potential thoughts are limited by your assumptions and goals. And then insight number five, a rested brain will make new and surprising connections, making better thoughts available to us. One insight I wanna come back to, just to make sure we focus on it enough, is insight number two. Your brain always has an answer, but it might be wrong. This is key because as successful business owners, mostly what your brain comes up with is right. It mostly works, most of the time. It's actually though, when you're wrong and don't realize it, that you're exposing yourself to a problem. The best remedy is to get aware of the fact that you can be wrong. In fact, probably are more than you realize, at least in small ways and recognize that with that possibility in any given situation, a little humility will help you avoid creating an even larger problem for yourself. After the break, we'll come back and apply these ideas in a business coaching context.
1: a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197.
2: That's a killer so deal. It's a
1: killer deal. It's a no brainer in my opinion, um, but definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or, um, you know, whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to, you can do this from the comfort of your own home and we'll be right there. Yeah.
2: And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can, and the best part—it's a free event for you yeah. if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course.
1: Yes. All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at Your Best driver Live.
0: Now it's time for a special conversation with one of our Business Accelerator coaches. This is Kevin Jennings, and. If you know Kevin, he is an exciting and insightful coach, one that can really get to the bottom of a lot of problems and challenges that his clients face. And in part, it's because of how he applies some of what we heard earlier from Michael and Megan to coaching. Kevin, thanks for joining us today.
5: Happy to be here, Joel. All
0: right, I've got a question for you. So you're on with a client and you hear coming from the client's mouth, some words that indicate that they might be believing something not exactly true or something maybe not tenable. And as you're hearing it, you think, ah, that's a limiting belief. I bet you that where they're stuck is this very spot. And if I can just get them to see that, I can help them get unstuck. How do you do that?
5: Yeah, I will do a couple of things. I think the first thing I might say is, what I hear you saying to me is, and I would kind of repeat back what I hear them saying, but then I ask, well, how did you learn that? What makes you come to that conclusion? And typically you're going to hear something about an experience prior to the one they're in that gave them the evidence for this circumstance. And so then I say, okay, well, let's explore that a bit. And we start to just slowly but surely work our way through the details. Of that story, and what comes out is sometimes the fact that the stories might be similar, but there are clear distinctions where we are applying a strategy that maybe they should have applied to the other circumstance that that they're misapplying in the new one, and so we get to kind of slowly but surely uncover those stories, and then we might say, okay, separate of the strategy for this circumstance, I heard you saying something about yourself. And we try to break that down as well. But it really is curiosity. And I think that that's what typically is most effective for me and for the client is we don't have to assume anything good or bad about what we're exploring. Let's put on a different hat. So I even sometimes say, okay, I need CEO you to help us invest or owner you to investigate CEO you. And sometimes it's just giving them permission to access perspectives. They already have, but sometimes the leader or the manager can't see as clearly what the owner would see if they gave themselves a second to separate that. Um, And so that's typically what I try to do is help them access different parts of themselves.
0: That's interesting. You know, we had on the show not long ago, Ethan Cross, who talks about the Solomon paradox that... You know, Solomon was really great at dishing out advice for other people, but, you know, made a pretty nice mess of his own life. And the Solomon paradox says that, as applied to yourself, that if you talk to yourself in the uh, second person, like you, Joel, go do this thing, you're more likely to recognize the authority or the validity of that voice than if you're just. Talking to yourself, you know, the way we normally do, just like letting thoughts bubble up in our heads. And I hear you actually applying a version of that very same thing as you're working with clients. You're helping them step out of their perspective so they can get a different vantage on their problem. And suddenly they already had the answer, but now they can see it more clearly.
5: Absolutely. The most common one is how salesperson them is despised by CEO them, right? Mm. Salesperson them says, We're going to close this deal. And the closer in them, the one that wants to win will sell a a client that does not fit their ideal customer because now they're in the thrill of the chase and the hunt and the winning of the money. And they, it's almost like they, they're a different person takes over their mind. They oversell. They overbooked the client, the company, right? And then CEOs them like, well, thanks a lot, salesperson me. You just did us all in. Our systems are gonna fall apart. I'm gonna be up all night. Thanks to salesperson me that couldn't walk away from a deal we knew was a bad deal. It's like exactly. And the minute whenever, whenever I say that, you can see light bulbs coming on, like, oh my gosh, yes, that I did that to myself. Yes, I it was me. Right. And so I, I think, but it gives a, a opportunity to distance the issue from their identity because they're they're so quick. And I mean, human beings, when I say they, we are all so quick sometimes to extract lessons about our identity from things we should be learning lessons for around issues.
0: That's fascinating. That also relates to what you said a few minutes ago about assumptions. And I thought maybe we should jump back to that for a second. Sure. The, The neuroscientist George Busaki, uh, Michael and Megan quote him in Mind Your Mindset talking about how the brain is always taking its best guess in any given situation. And so if it's ever encountered anything like this thing before, it assumes that that's true in this new case and just jumps to the conclusion. And Mm. what you find is very often the context is radically different or it's different enough that... Whatever you thought worked before doesn't exactly work now. You don't have a fit, and yet you still try the same thing, and that's where people go wrong. How can you help people see that the context has changed or the circumstance has changed, and maybe what they learned in one setting doesn't translate to another?
5: I do start with having them try to extract what is true about this circumstance. Right. So, for example, I've got a team member. They're just dropping the ball. I'm so frustrated. I'm tired of jumping. Okay, great. Why did you hire this person? Well, they're great at this. They're great at this. Okay. okay. So, they're not awful at everything like you just said they were. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, what are they great at? Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, are they applying in this circumstance? Yes. They're great people, but they're people-pleasing, and the circumstance is hurting us. Okay, so your team member is misapplying something they're actually great at in the wrong context or in an inappropriate way. And so sometimes it really, once again, it goes back to, okay, can I help them put voice and externalize what they know to be true about the circumstance, not the meaning they have about the circumstance, but what's actually happening in the circumstance? And then maybe have them do the same thing with the previous circumstance that they learned the insight from so they can start to see the differences between the two in the context. But I think the, the main thing is our assumptions and the facts are sometimes seem so interconnected mm-hmm. that I think I have to slow down and say, okay, now is that another meaning you gained from it? Did they say that to you? or is that what you heard them say? Well, basically, okay, what does basically mean in this context, right? And I'll have to admit, in those moments, it can be frustrating. You're like, I'm annoyed. I don't need you to tear down. You think I'm not smart enough to discern what I heard? That's not what I'm saying. Again, right? Even now, my coaching in that moment, if I'm not careful, can be used to support assumptions or or tear them down. But I think we have to say, okay, I'm going to slow down and help you investigate the elements that have built the story that is driving our current strategy.
0: And that strategy, why this matters, of course, is that that strategy is what is getting you your results. And so If you are bumping up against a wall, if you've kind of reached the end of what you're capable of doing, if your team has run aground, if you cannot seem to move the needle in the way that you want, one of the fastest ways to figure it out is to actually go back upstream before the strategy and look at the thinking that developed that strategy.
5: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: Related to assumptions blocking our progress, sometimes our goals actually skew what we can do or see also. I read St. Clement of Alexandria say once, long, long time ago, that a shepherd and a wolf look at a sheep in a diff- in different ways. And th- that's a goal comment. That's a comment about the uses of something or the ends to which something serves. And when you think about a business owner, a goal is something they have out in the future. They're going for that. And that is going to give them a kind of tunnel vision. And I wonder, do you ever run into clients that have problems that come up that are actually goal related?
5: Plenty. I mean, some of them are is just why are we doing this goal in the first place? Right. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know with Business Accelerator and Full Focus, we talk a lot about goals and how they're How they're well designed or poorly designed. And so there's definitely part of that because sometimes even the story behind the decision for the goal is interesting, right? I'm not, I'm not fulfilling our dream if we don't double in revenue. Well, what, what is that even for? What do you, what, what do you mean by that? Like, what story do you have concocted about? Your success and, and what it does or does not mean if you don't hit certain financial metrics. Um, you know, what is this enabling versus what are you trying to prove to yourself? And so there's a lot there. Um, I think what I would typically say though is the assumptions around not just the why we set the goals, but once again, how this goal has to be achieved, right? So, so, so that television is usually on an, on a how. Or not the destination, but it is the primary or best method to get there. And that's usually going to be a strategy that we learned somewhere else along our journey. Yeah, Many of us, when we're setting our goals, we already have a strategy in mind. You know, it takes a little bit of of a little bit. takes a lot of discipline, actually, to slow down and say, okay, let me open myself up to the plethora of strategies that are actually available to me. What happens to most of us is we pick a strategy we've always used or seen work for a friend, right? We misapply it. It fails. And that's when we finally slow down to say, okay, what went wrong here? Right. And that's why we where coaching is so valuable. We can help you reassess that reality and help you identify the story and pick a new strategy. But that's what we typically see is there's an assumption Around the best strategy to even achieve a goal, and we've already locked in, so we're our heads down, just getting the work done. We're no longer pausing even to assess if that's the best way forward.
0: Well, and, and in some cases, you know, people actually conflate the strategy and the goal; they're like one thing in their mind, that's right. and that's a problem because if the strategy doesn't work, now you are even questioning the validity of the goal. Sometimes.
5: Absolutely. And to be fair to each of person listening and to us as well, if we're trying to achieve goals, we've I mean, things we've never done before in our life or our business, why are we assuming the strategies we already possess would work anyway? Because we've Good never question. been able to get that result in our lives up to this moment. And now magically, I already have the strategies to achieve things I've never done in any context in my life. Just watch me, right? Well, where's that even coming from? And so there so there are some things there that I think we have to unpack to to really make sure we are not in our own way.
0: Kevin, you're a coach. You help people do this all the time. Is there however a time where you've had to do this for yourself?
5: Yes. Um yesterday, uh <laughs> this morning, um, and and <laughs> a year ago. I mean it happens. Once you are aware of the fact that there is a story driving your strategy and that strategy is getting your results, you never see your strategy is the same again. And for me, actually, Joel, I got to give you a little bit of credit. You actually helped me plant a seed on this. Hmm. Um, And you were talking to me. And uh, when you were first introducing this to to us as coaches, okay. and we had a chance to talk one-on-one and you said, and I said, I was used some stories that I had had on my life or some results I was getting before. And we came to the conclusion that I had a toxic view of hard work. We had this idea that I had this idea that hard work had to feel hard and yeah. grueling in order to be meaningful
0: work. I remember this conversation.
5: Yes sir, and it mean and and it was the first time I thought about the fact that doing what I was best at I could never do with a clear conscience because the work didn't feel grueling, which meant I would never lean into my strengths. I had to le- I leaned into my weaknesses more thinking that was where the work is. And so I was never going to enjoy my work. I didn't care if I made more money, had better clients, was more successful. I wasn't going to enjoy work until I allowed myself to enjoy work because I recognized that the work I didn't enjoy, I didn't have to do. I could share that with my team. I could find someone who liked it. It was, there was nothing to earn in that story. And that's just one of many. That was the story that kicked off my journey, actually, of saying, okay, you can do this all the time. You can do this all the time. And, and, and that, I mean, I, yeah, I do it all the time. What is the story behind my strategy? Why did I think this was the way to do it? And it almost has nothing to do with my goal and actually has less to do with my problem I'm facing, which is always a bit frustrating. You're like, I have this is not the problem at all. But the key thing is it can change your world every day when you view your strategies through a different lens. <music>
0: Kevin, that's great, man. Thank you for being here.
5: It's a pleasure, and I hope uh, every single person gets mind your mindset. Not sincerely, this work has been the most transformational work in my personal life in the last 24 months.
0: Right on. Well,
5: I'm not, and I'm not BSing. That's why, I, that's why I can say that. I've been telling everybody since you did that with coach retreat. I've been like, when the next book comes out, buy the book. When the next book comes out, buy the book. I mean, I, I keep talking about it. I'm like, this is the one. This is the one that's going to change your life the most.
0: that's a wrap for another episode of the business accelerator podcast if you'd like to get michael and megan's new book mind your mindset the science that shows success starts with your thinking go to mindyourmindsetbook.com and if you're a business owner and you're interested in learning more about our business accelerator coaching program go to businessaccelerator.com slash coach that's businessaccelerator.com slash coach we help Busy but growth-minded small business owners just like you scale yourself and your business so you can win at work and succeed at life. It's what we call the double win. And if you'd like to experience that for yourself, go to businessaccelerator.com coach. That's it. We'll be back next week with more conversations to help you accelerate your business.